You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, Internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Most writers and radio show hosts know that to connect with your fans, you need to do more than just write books or record the latest podcasts. There are many different elements that go into forming an online platform, but there are also many hidden traps. To make matters worse, solid advice on how to survive the muddy waters is scarce. In the book Hidden Traps, I talk about some of the important issues of working with an online platform, highlighting traps that could put your physical or internet security at risk, or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just links with a few disjointed words making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need Hidden Traps. Hidden Traps is now available in paperback and ebook from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit blackwolfpublications.com for more details. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text FINANCE, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, to 357 right now to get started. That's FINANCE, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, to 357 Auto financing the easy way. Text FINANCE to 357 KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Everyone loves liberty. Our rights come from God, not the government. So why are you letting other people tell you what's best for your health care? Exercise your freedom with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a community of people who voluntarily share one another's medical costs. Liberty HealthShare is founded on the idea that most people truly want to help one another. Healthcare sharing allows members to do just that as a true community that supports one another in times of need. Liberty believes people should make decisions for themselves and their families. Members are able to take back the freedom to make their own decisions about their health care. Freedom from guilt or doubt about how your money is used. You have the freedom to direct your health care, not to be dictated to by bureaucrats. Stop letting others tell you what to do and join a community of like-minded people. Exercise your freedom. Join Liberty HealthShare and take back the control of your health care while helping those around you. Call Liberty at 855-58-LIBERTY. Again, that's 855-58-L-I-B-E-R-T-Y for more information. Or you can check them out at libertyhealthshare.org. Again, that's libertyhealthshare.org. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq. 
Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. You'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now. 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible. Affordable. Relevant. Call 800-910-1370. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Sometimes riders feel lost, unsure why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our riding into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable riders to develop and grow, offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a rider's bio for your websites. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services, visit blackwolfeditorial.com. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it, sometimes the science can be so confusing that it takes a PhD to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a PhD. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy L. Moore. Call me Doc. Hi, guys, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Conversations in Science. If you are new to the show, well, hey, guess what? I really do have a PhD. I'm, yeah, I really do. Trust me. I really, really, really do. And for those of you who are new to the show, well, the way this works is that I do the best I can to explain science in a way, well, we we all can understand, but I'm not alone. I always have help. Jesse, where are you? What's up, Doc? Hey, Jess. Jessie Sanders, my producer, she's on the, always on the other end of the line, making sure that I don't go do- too much into technobabble, because I have a habit of doing that, don't I, Jess? Oh, you scientist types do. Yeah, we do. But you know what, Jess? What? There are sometimes when we're talking about science, it's not about just what how the science works and what's coming out there. Sometimes it's about understanding what new technologies are coming up. And guess what? What's that, Doc? We have, we have a guest with us today. We have Effie Seiberg. I hope I said that correctly. Welcome, Effie. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Hey. So, Effie, why don't you tell our listeners what it is you do and why we are so excited to talk to you. So... My day job is as a consultant, and I work in Silicon Valley with a lot of tech startups that are really on the cutting edge of applications of uh, new technology and sort of looking at how it changes our world today and in the future. See, 
she's in the best position to tell us about some of these technologies coming up, isn't she? She's great. Fantastic. Yes, she is. I was just spec- surmising with uh, Judy while I was out sneaking in a few french fries because hubby's on a health kick before we recorded that would my sunglasses one day hold my GPS information instead of me having to use my phone or the GPS in my car? That is not only possible, but has already happened. Uh, Lots of companies have been working with different types of heads-up displays like that. It's already happened. We already have this technology. We already have this technology. Um, I think for the most part, the uh, applications that have been created have been uh, pulling information into a little viewer that sits at the top of, say, a pair of sunglasses or regular glasses. Um, Google Glass was the the first one to try this a couple of years ago. It wound up a pretty big uh, market failure uh, because I think there were some nuances of how the technology works in people's day-to-day lives and in these social implications that were not quite thoroughly thought out. Uh, But different companies have been experimenting with this, and there's no reason to think that this wouldn't someday be something that you could buy at your local, you know, drugstore next to the the prescription glasses uh, for for reading, and then you have your heads-up display glasses. Um. Wow. (laughs) I had no idea that the technology was already out there. I am like, wow. (laughs) I'd heard of Google Glasses, but I'd also heard that there was a myriad of issues with them. Oh, so many. So many. Um, I was was actually working at Google uh, when we were trying them out internally before they were out with like a limited release uh, to the market. And people kept running into uh, behavior quirks that humans have that really affect how the technology winds up being used and subsequently perceived. Um, So one funny story was that they had integrated a bunch of gestures into the the glasses so that if you, for example, uh, quickly look from – if you quickly look down – um, it would take a photo, and if you quickly look up again, it would post it to your social media feed. And people realized that they could take advantage of this if someone was, for example, uh, at a urinal wearing, you know, their Google Glass, and someone else said, you know, called out to them and said hi, their head would quickly go from pointed down to pointed up and take a very inappropriate picture and post it. So there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of kinks to work out because uh, a lot of times the way the technology is set up uh, doesn't really take account for the fact that people are weird, people are pranksters, people have interesting behaviors that uh, you know even if the technology is completely benign, behaviors not always are. Oh, that is hilarious. I just had to mute my mic there for a moment because I was just pissing myself laughing. Oh my god, that's so hilarious. <laughs> they fixed that one. They fixed that one before it went out for the initial initial release and that was like twenty twelve, <laughs> I think. Ish. Something like that. Oh. Um so before anyone outside the company 
got it. And uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but while it was inside the company, the idea was to only post it to the company's internal social media network, um, which was also Google created. And, you know, that way you could talk about things that were still confidential at the time. Um, so I don't actually know if it's a good, if it's a better thing or a worse thing that that was the photo that came up uh, internally for folks. It definitely would have been riots of laughter going through because they would have all known how the image was created. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. Oh, what was yeah, so, so a lot of times you get that thing, right, where, like, the technology works just fine, but we as humans still need to figure out a good way to integrate it into our lives in a way that makes sense for how we behave. So there's there's tons of technologies out there that completely exist, and they're just not you – know, they're not in common use because that particular uh, social application hasn't been sufficiently well-refined to avoid snafus like that one. Now, I, I suppose another side effect would be of, of sunglasses, if, especially if you're integrating it into sunglasses, is the fact that we don't tend to wear sunglasses inside mm -hmm. because we can't see. <laughs> and I suppose <laughs> you could always use a um, the, the sunglass lenses that change and become, you know, the photosensitive lenses. I suppose you could always use something like that, but that would be a little bit off-putting for me to be looking at somebody who actually has just normal glass on, say, for example, but I'm seeing the reflection or something that they're seeing coming through that, I don't know about you, but that would be seriously off-putting. Well, I think one thing that, that we've seen in general with this kind of technology is that whether you, the person who is interacting with someone who's using that technology, can see what's on a screen or not, it becomes a little off-putting when even even today in conversation, if you have someone with a smartwatch, an Apple watch or, or whatever, um, and if they're constantly looking at their watch while you're talking to them, it's off-putting, right? Because you're like, Really? Like, this is more important than the conversation we're having, like, standing in front of each other? This is this is pretty rude. So even when we come up with, like, the overall idea of how the technology works seamlessly in our lives, there's still a whole other set of behaviors that's almost like human etiquette for how are you not a complete, you know, completely rude to everyone around you while you are engaging with these these new frontiers, if you will. Personally, yeah. I have to admit, I love silencing my cell phone. I rarely get to turn it, I rarely actually turn it off. But trust me, I know how to silence my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and, and I have to admit, I mean, was it about maybe a year or two years ago, um, I was in a restaurant with my husband and my daughter. And my daughter actually leaned over to me at the time. So she would have been, she would have been about 10, 11 at this time. And she looked at me and said, pointed to this couple who would have been probably in their 50s and said, don't they like talking to one another? Because both of them, you know, they were sitting there on their smartphones and they were just doing whatever on their phones. So she's like, don't they like talking to one another? I'm saying, well, I don't know. Well, why are they on their phones? I don't know, sweetie. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's also so interesting because sometimes... obviously those social informations. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's also interesting because sometimes we see that and we think people are being super rude. But uh, I have a friend who's very hard of hearing. And some days, you know, she's having a worse day and it's just tougher for her. So we'll we'll text instead of talk because it's a more efficient way to have the conversation. And we're not ignoring each other. We are interacting face to face, but we are using technology as the go between. So like those same nuances of etiquette, you know, they change and then they change again. And it's it's lots of new rules that keep coming up. And sometimes I think they're they're changing faster than how we all sort of know how to cope with them. I have to admit, I'd never considered the idea of using a texting to help bridge that gap with someone who is hearing impaired. I'd never considered that. That that's actually really awesome. <laughs> Sorry, my brain just did a my brain just went bunny leap and went, Oh wow, that I'd never considered that. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so where are some of the other, besides the sunglasses, I mean, because we were sitting there thinking, oh, sunglasses, what are some of the other technologies that we can either look forward to coming up or or that we really, they're already there? Well, one of the things that's that's already there, and some people are using it, some people aren't yet, and most people who are using it aren't even aware that it's happening. Um, everybody today, more or less, has a smartphone with them everywhere they go. And one of the really interesting things about smartphones is that they have lots and lots of sensors on them. Um, so your, your cell phone has a GPS, so it knows where you are. It has an accelerometer, um, which is the thing that lets it know, uh, you know, is it moving quickly or not, which is helpful for a lot of games if you need to, you know, shake your phone to to catch a Pokemon or, or whatever it is, it, it knows that it's got that kind of movement happening. There's a gyroscope, so it knows which way it's it's pointing, which way is up. Um, there's usually a light sensor, which helps uh, know, you know, should the screen automatically brighten or darken depending on your environment. Um, and so, so, so many other things that are already baked in there. And what's interesting is there's this uh, revolution happening kind of quietly in technology for artificial intelligence and machine learning. And when I say artificial intelligence, I don't mean like conscious computers rising up to, you know, take over Terminator style. It's it's a phrase used for uh, a mechanism where a machine uh, algorithm can learn, essentially. Like as it gets new information, it updates how it reacts to that information. And this means in like the easiest way to think about why we need to care about that is that right now machines can take in loads and loads and loads of very messy data and figure something out from it. Some, some very deep computation that used to be very hard, but now as you know, these things are learning, they're becoming easier and more systematic. So that sounds very vague, right? So what does that even mean? Um, so a simple example is that your phone now has sort of like a pedometer. If it's in your pocket, most phones by now have software that will tell you how many steps you've walked. And the phone can figure this out based on how it's been bumbling along, you know, in your pocket, in your hand, in your bag. Uh, as you're walking, uh, people have managed to figure out what that type of movement looks like when you're getting in that data between the gyroscope and the GPS and the accelerometer. And sometimes a few other things as well. 
and so even though your phone has nothing to do with your feet, people know the the types of movements that happen to a phone, you know, getting jostled or bumped around, and they can tell you this is how many steps you walked. Mine's always 100% wrong. Would you like to know why? Why is that? I'm in a wheelchair. It can't account for then that. it's absolutely wrong, yeah. And it's it's very far from perfect uh, for people who are walking on two feet or on, you know, two feet plus crutches or, you know, if you're uh, – if you have this strapped to your wrist and you're you're walking with a baby carriage or a shopping cart or something like that, it'll also go wrong. And so it's it's far from perfect, but this is something that's already there. And there's some uses for this that have become really interesting. So not just for walking, but when you're in a car, for example, there's technology that exists today from, you know, the way your phone is moving around and what the sensors are getting information-wise that can tell someone uh, this person is a safe driver or this person is a crazy speed demon who keeps slamming on their brakes and playing with their phone throughout, you know, their their commute to work every day. And maybe you don't want to give them car insurance because they'd be a really high risk. Hmm. Now my brain's going, how can I avoid all of that information? (laughs) (laughs) Generally, those are opt-in, right? I don't think anyone's spying on your driving habits uh, without your consent. But some insurance companies are actually putting out like programs that are like, if you put this, you know, this app on your phone that lets us see how safely you drive and as a result, give you discounts. Uh, so I, I don't think it's so much a, a privacy concern. If you're not into it, I wouldn't worry. Uh, but it is a thing that your phone is being used for today. And that's like, that's technology that you have in your pocket right now. Yeah, I have to admit the smartphone, if I just look at the technology and where that smartphone has grown, just from the point when I had my first cell phone, which would have been... <laughs> Okay, my I I got my first cell phone <laughs> when I was about 18 years ago when I was pregnant with my son. And so yeah, okay, I yeah, I know Jess had herself her cell phone significantly longer than I had. But even then, it's gone from the, you know, the button and the clam. And, I'm sorry. I still, I'm, I'm still affectionately attached to the clam design, but I'm a, bit of a Star <laughs> Trek geek. Um, and there's nothing like seeing as an episode, the old original episodes of Star Trek, and you see him flip the communicator open. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. And I, when I got my first clam, I was like, "Yeah, can I do this?" No, <laughs> it didn't quite work. But that's, you know, that's okay. But. And then, of course, now we're carrying cameras. And, and I have to admit, I've become a lot more of a shutterbug because of it. Because I've got a camera just there. And it's a decent yeah. camera. It's not it's not pathetic. And it already <laughs> changes how we interact with each other. Right now, if I see something. So the other day, I was at this weird grocery store and there was this thing of, of bedroom slippers that were covered in sequins. And I thought that was ridiculous and hilarious. And if, if I had seen that say 20 years ago, I might or might not remember to tell my boyfriend about that, but 
now I just I took a photo so I could just send it to him immediately. So he could also see these these wacky slippers. Like, what are these doing in a grocery store? We don't really know. Well, the other night I was driving home and from a friend I was I was visiting a friend who lives in Texas on a military base. I passed a cow on a military base. Great out grazing. It just struck me as odd that this military base had cattle crossings and cows out grazing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry, Jess. New Zealand cows grazing? It, that's, yeah. We are surrounded by sheep. <laughs> sorry. That to me is nothing. That's normal. Gotta get that's my lamb chops life. from somewhere, Judy. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so... Okay, so we our smartphones have become these amazing technology beasts, and I know I think my husband's now installed a a seismo a seis, seismograph um, type app on his phone. Um, that'll be partly because we've gone a bit earthquake crazy around this place. Dare I say it? It's yeah, we're almost as bad as those old films that I've seen with California and bits and pieces where they're all, you know, we've had an earthquake. Let's everybody take a bet as to where, where the epicenter was and hadn't and how deep and how big. And then that's pretty much what Christchurch, New Zealand has become uh, over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. But what about some of these other things, some of these other old technologies that we've seen, like <laughs> Knight Rider? Okay, I'm showing my age here. I want kit maybe not the well we're getting there too i mean i don't think we're all the way up to kit Uh, i think we have a little more to go on the side of uh, personality and problem solving but uh self-driving cars are here today and have been for a while and there are some i mean there's they're still in in testing and some of the features from that are going i think tesla has some sort of auto drive mode which isn't quite self-driving but is is pretty close and that's with cars that are out right now and uh one of the areas that's uh that people are now predicting are going to be the first to really on mass adopt self-driving cars is actually the trucking industry where it's a lot safer rather than having a human behind the wheel for let's just say 12 hours straight uh which is not delightful you can absolutely have have a machine behind the wheel for 12 hours straight. No problem. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm blinking and I'm stunned again. We already <laughs> have self-driving cars. Did I hear that correctly? Uh, yeah, there's a number of companies in the U.S. who have been working on them and testing them and developing them. And I actually heard a really interesting story about a self-driving car in Australia. So just like... Whenever you have a new technology, you don't always know what you don't know when you put it out in the real world and how it goes wrong. And so what these cars do, they have lots and lots of cameras um, on their roof that spin around so that they're constantly getting data from what's around them uh, and sort of pinging out and sort of creating uh, an idea of the three-dimensional landscape they're in. Um, but in Australia, they ran into, I don't remember which company this was, but they ran into a problem with testing where they hit a kangaroo. And generally, these cars, you know, they, they're actually very good at not hitting a human that runs into the road or another car that runs into the road. 
But what happened with the kangaroo that they didn't think to account for initially is that kangaroos jump. So if I'm just taking a picture of what's in front of me and something is several several feet off the ground and I don't know that that type of thing can be several feet off the ground, I might just assume that it's much further away if I'm getting a photo of it in midair and it's just that much bigger because this car doesn't necessarily have explicit depth perception, just implicit depth perception. So I thought the kangaroo yeah. was much, much further. And when you're thinking self-driving car, jumping kangaroos is probably not the first thing you think of anyway. No, um, it's not. Yeah, no, I have to admit, I mean, I, you know, I have driven in Australia and, and yeah, there's been, there's a couple of areas when you're in Melbourne in particular, uh, where you're driving down the road and, and you might actually see a kangaroo and they're jumping across a highway. You know, you're traveling at a hundred kilometers per hour, which I think is about 55, maybe a bit more miles per hour. It's and enough to be a really bad time for the kangaroo. <laughs> and, and, and kangaroos are really bad for cars. Really, really yes. bad. And yes. Yeah. Um, Probably not much fun fun for Roo either. Yeah. No, no. There's a number of, of companies that are working on developing this sort of in parallel. So Google's parent company, Alphabet, has a sub-company, I guess, called Waymo. That's working on this. Uh, Uber is working on this. Uh, several car manufacturers are working on this. And there's there's a number of cities, especially in the U.S., that have become really good test beds for self-driving cars. They're, you know, they're out and about. I wonder, I mean, New Zealand tends to get a lot of the technology really quickly um, because we are a very vast demographic region within a small area you can have you know lots of different um, ethnicities and lots of different age brackets but within a very small population so that's why we tend to see um, technology before the rest of the world for example the fpos um, the electronic transaction we're almost a cashless society in new zealand because of it and we've had oh. fpos for oh i think near on 20 25 years now um, we've even had, um, what was that? The credit cards, you know how they have now the computer chip in them? Most of the credit cards do. Sure. We've had that technology since 1987. And most people don't realize that that technology has been around for that long. So the fact that we were coming across all these technologies like the car and the <laughs> The sunglasses. I'm sorry that that I suppose if I had thought about it, it would have made sense because virtual reality is becoming quite a big thing. So I don't know why I just went didn't really think about it. But the fact that we're seeing all these technologies come through, this is you know they've been around. Jess, yes, yes Doc. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. Do we need to be taking a break? Because I'm getting really excited here, and I've got quite a few questions mulling around in my feet. <laughs> all right. Why don't we take a break, and we can deal with all your crazy questions on the other side. Thank you. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. 
Most writers and radio show hosts know that to connect with your fans, you need to do more than just write books or record the latest podcasts. There are many different elements that go into forming an online platform, but there are also many hidden traps. To make matters worse, solid advice on how to survive the muddy waters is scarce. In the book Hidden Traps, I talk about some of the important issues of working with an online platform, highlighting traps that could put your physical or internet security at risk or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just links with a few disjointed words making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need Hidden Traps. Hidden Traps is now available in paperback and ebook from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit blackwolfpublications.com for more details. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text FINANCE, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, to 357 right now to get started. That's FINANCE, F-I-N-A-N-C-E, to 357 Auto financing the easy way. Text FINANCE to 357 KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Everyone loves liberty. Our rights come from God, not the government. So why are you letting other people tell you what's best for your health care? Exercise your freedom with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a community of people who voluntarily share one another's medical costs. Liberty HealthShare is founded on the idea that most people truly want to help one another. Healthcare sharing allows members to do just that as a true community that supports one another in times of need. Liberty believes people should make decisions for themselves and their families. Members are able to take back the freedom to make their own decisions about their health care. Freedom from guilt or doubt about how your money is used. You have the freedom to direct your health care, not to be dictated to by bureaucrats. Stop letting others tell you what to do and join a community of like-minded people. Exercise your freedom. Join Liberty HealthShare and take back the control of your health care while helping those around you. Call Liberty at 855-58-LIBERTY. Again, that's 855-58-L-I-B-E-R-T-Y for more information, or you can check them out at libertyhealthshare.org. Again, that's libertyhealthshare.org. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq, Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, Think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree, too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. 
you'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now, 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible, affordable, relevant. Call 800-910-1370. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Sometimes riders feel lost, unsure why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to win offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's bio for your websites. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services, visit blackwolfeditorial.com. Thank you for get- hanging in there with us, right, Doc? Yes, 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 yes. No, it was great. My brain's just going constantly. Just, oh, so many ideas. (laughs) Okay. Now, Auntie, one of the things you said in your writings, I believe, was that if you're going to put something in a book today that's not going to come out for a couple years, you need to really think outside the box and go way out there. Absolutely. So, uh... In my other life, when I'm not a consultant, I write uh, science fiction and fantasy, and I'm collaborating with Dan Cobalt and a number of other uh, wonderful people from a lot of other fields on a book called Putting the Science in Fiction, uh, which is coming out actually exactly a month from today. And It is! I know! I'm so excited about it! I'm looking forward to it! (laughs) Yeah. And it's pretty much when you have people writing science fiction, things in the future. Uh, they have, People are really good at coming up with fantastical ideas and things that science today kind of doesn't let you do at all. Uh, but what's interesting is whenever you get a cell phone equivalent in a lot of science fiction, like you, you mentioned the old Star Trek communicators, things haven't actually gone far enough where – um, I'll read a, a science fiction book and I'll see someone has, let's say, like a they, they call it like a bracer or something on their arm and it's sort of the phone equivalent. And it's doing things that have been out there in the technology world for like 15 years. So if your if your work is happening 100 years in the future, I hope we've picked up a few new tricks since then. Like you really have to go crazy with your imagination uh, just because there's so much that technology can already do today that people aren't really familiar with because it's not uh, not yet like a topic of conversation or not, you know, fully rolled out. But it's been a thing in, in at least some areas, some industries for a while. Like I think uh, 3D printing has been around for about 30 years. Yeah, it's been around definitely. Three, it, 3D printing um, has been used now uh, to build things like valves and and stuff like that for medicine they are Mm -hmm. looking at doing lots of technology associated with 3d um, printing including the different materials that you can use they've even they're even building houses now with 3d printing using concrete 
Yes. So if you're writing science fiction, you know, you've got to do your research and see sort of where technology is today because there's so much cool stuff that's out already. And your job is to write something even cooler. Using 3D printing. Yeah. That they probably use that 3D with the concrete, um, 3D printing with the concrete that that's out there. Um, I hate to think what sort of messes the hoses go through, but um, yeah, 3D printing, it's definitely there. And if you're going to take a look at that, you need to really up your game. In terms of, okay, so like we're thinking about things with communication. We've been talking about cell phones and (laughs) I was so with it. I'm still sunglasses. They're already there. What? Um, But one of the movies that I happen to love, I think it's um, especially the newer version of it is Total Recall um, with Colin Farrell. And they have in there is uh, their phone is in the hand. It's, it's physically subdermal. So it's physically been surgically implanted in their hand. And at one point they press it to the glass from a scientific perspective. I'm like, mm, don't know how that would actually work, but, would that be something like what you're talking about is far enough in the future? Uh, so I have to admit, I haven't seen to- the the new Total Recall. Um, and the old one, I think I saw long enough ago that I can't quite remember. So that they press their hand to glass and then what happens? It's basically a video phone call. It's basically they take any glass surface and ah, they press their hand to the glass and it becomes an instant screen. Now, I know you can actually have screens that are made of glass. That I do know that you can do. Um, but in terms of it actually creating a signal from your hand or from a device that's actually under your skin and becoming the device, uh, the audio device or the those bits and pieces. I'm not sure about how that would work, but well, that one's that. I think that one's a little further off than what we have today. But we do have some some sort of pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that are working towards it. There's a lot of uh, there's people that like to call themselves uh, body hackers that like to actually play around with implanting technological devices under their skin. Um, I actually have met a couple people who have a tiny magnet implanted under a fingertip and that helps them detect if a wire is live or not because the electric current produces a small magnetic field. Uh, You've got things um, uh, that can transmit short distances. Actually, a couple months ago, uh, I was ill and as one of my tests, I had to swallow a tiny capsule camera to just go through my system and, and take photos. And that camera was transmitting to another device that I wore on me like a backpack. Uh, so there, there's some transmission going on. And that device I then had to, to hand back in to the doctors. So I, I don't know that that precise cell phone setup is there today. And I think that actually does have some stuff that's beyond where we are. Uh, but considering the, the bits of things that are, are moving forward, I don't know that it's that far out. You had to swallow a camera. Wow. It was a really tiny camera. It was like, it was, it was the size and shape of a pill. <laughs> think you, Nanotechnology the shape really your, has. Doc, wow. think the size and shape of an 800 milligram ibuprofen type thing. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, that's fine. I was just sitting there thinking about the, the nanotechnology because um, nanotechnology, when I was working as a, a researcher, was becoming very much the focus obviously is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And at the time, I think we were looking at about six years ago now, they actually had a, a flying bee. You know, you could, they created a bee out of this nanotechnology. That is a remote control vehicle, basically. Mm-hmm. And the, you think about the mechanics and the electronics that have to go into these things, if we're now generating cameras that can actually be swallowed like a pill and we're putting them in, that technology of nanotechnology has dramatically jumped over the last couple of years. It, I'm, wow, I'm just stunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm There's excited. crazy things I'm excited and stunned. today. <laughs> All right, so what other insights can you give us about some of the technologies that are possibly coming out that we can go, give me now? <laughs> um, I think some of the technologies you're you're going to be hearing more about in uh, sort of coming up, uh, one of them is blockchain. Um, this is a type of encryption, and it suddenly got very, very big when – it was used as the sort of underlying underlying mechanism of Bitcoin and uh, other digital currencies. So that kind of it's it's both a security feature and a uh, sort of a storage of what the transactions have been. Uh, that kind of technology, I think, is being used from more and more contexts. I think other things with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, are are going to be very big. I, uh, lots of industries are using these for different um, different types of focus. Like we talked a little bit about the data to show, are you a safe driver? But there's also um, things coming in that are like, can you get a chatbot that's actually useful for you as a customer to get help from? Or can you sift through a million uh, Yelp reviews without having to read all of them and actually get a sense of what the important sentiments are about your business or the service you provide or whatever it is. Um, same thing for like going through a uh, legal discovery uh, instead of you sitting down and reading a million pages of, of stuff, you know, can we figure out a way to find the stuff we need using an algorithm? So in all these different fields, uh, AI machine learning and all of this is based on, giant amounts of data crunching uh, to, to figure out something useful. I think 3D printing is going to be much bigger, although I think initially we thought it was going to be absolutely everywhere. And I think I read that you can, that Ikea is coming up with some weird new chair that scans your butt so it can 3D print like the most comfortable seat for you. I, I don't know if that's been verified, but uh, I 3D printing has been used, as you'd mentioned, a lot in, in medicine. And I think that's going to only continue a lot more because now you can get whatever the thing is that precisely fits that patient's uh, required you know, shape. Uh, and we've got 3D printing happening more on the space station when you know something goes wrong, you need a specific tool, you can't bring 
every tool you could ever possibly need or every spare piece you could ever possibly need. Some of them, you know, when you need one, you print it and you use it and you're done. You've just saved a whole lot of space and weight uh, on your on your spaceship. So these are all I happening. The autonomous cars are, are going to be big. They still have to. Yeah, I don't know if about saving the weight because they still have to bring up the, the raw materials, but definitely they space. Do. I mean, fitting in um, fitting in something that's say a, a cube of raw material, and you print that, it, it suddenly can be the size of a I don't know a, a, your whole what 30 inch computer monitor if you happen to have a 30 inch computer monitor <laughs> that that is a lot of space and so yeah, yeah and also you don't need to bring one of everything because you're not going to use one of everything you're going to use let's say five things and you just don't know which they are yet so yeah bring enough material for for let's say seven okay so let's jump a little bit into science fiction for a little bit what sort of things do you really wish that you've seen in either science fiction or read it in science fiction that you really wish we actually had? Ooh. I got one. Go. The food replicator, because I hate cooking dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I think replicator of some description, I think most of us are like, give it to me now. <laughs> That would be amazing. I'm a terrible cook, so <laughs> that would save a lot of a lot of problems here. Um, I I really don't like plane travel, and so I would like a teleporter, please. Uh, oh, it would make my yep, life okay. so much simpler. <laughs> the teleporter would be really good, really handy for lots of things because, dare I say, it, the cost of travel coming from New Zealand. Okay, going to Australia, it's not so bad because we're quite close to Australia. But for me to go anywhere into the Northern Hemisphere, it's thousands of dollars. It's not yeah. cheap. A, a teleporter would be fantastic because not only would I save in money, I would also save in time. Because going to the UK, it's actually a 24-hour flight. People don't realize that, but it is. <laughs> it takes a full day. Never mind you actually lose a day because of the international dateline, but it takes a full day right. to get and to And how the UK. amazing would it be to say today I want to go to the the Tate in London and I'll get up, teleport over there um, at a time appropriate to the museum opening, spend the day and then be home and, and go back to bed in my own my own house. That'd be great. It'd be fantastic. That would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, there's so many, so much technology out there that is obviously just creating, I don't know, life making it fantastic, as well as some other things. Now, to flip, here's a question. What, so we've gone through and we've just sort of asked what, what technologies we would love to see. Dare I ask it, what technologies do you honestly hope never we never see. Yeah, I mean, there I'm are high. some. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. There's there's some dystopias I've read where people's inner thoughts are read by some sort of uh, tyrannical government or computer system and sort of optimized that way. And I think that it is right now very healthy to have a barrier from what's on the inside of your head and what comes out. I, I think that would be quite chilling if uh, if it came to pass. 
minority report. Yeah, let's let's not have minority report. That would be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who don't know what minority report is, and Jesse, you're probably one of them. Yep. Um, minority report was, I think it was a, the movie with Tom Cruise where you had the psychics or whatever it is, and they were predicting what actions you would take in the future, and they were arresting people based on what actions they believe you would take in the future, not not things that you had actually done, just things that mm-hmm. they thought you would do. And it was completely, yeah, no, can we have that barrier? <laughs> I like the barrier of keeping certain thoughts to myself, because trust me, nobody needs all my crazy thoughts. Yeah, I think just as a society, <laughs> we'd all be better off. Although I would like to read my cat's brain once in a while, just so I know what they're actually thinking. Because goodness knows, I put a lot of words into their into their furry little mouths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So reading thoughts of an animal would be great because then we're we're communicating on the same language, I suppose. But. Well, wouldn't you like to know what Kara's actually thinking when she's bugging you at your desk and not letting you get anything done so you could solve the issue? <laughs> Kara well, is Doc's cat. Well, at the moment, cat. she's curled up under the desk where it's nice and warm and toasty. And she's like, what are you doing talking about me? Just leave me alone. <laughs> right. But those other days when she's bugging you at your desk... This way you could just figure out what she wants, solve the problem, and go back to your day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's positives and there's negatives. Positive and negatives. We can, yeah. Okay. But I'd like to restrict okay. it to animals only. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. This, that would be good. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us about the technology and and bits and pieces? Uh, Well, if you're writing science fiction or or even fantasy or science fantasy or anything that imagines things that aren't, I would love to recommend to you this, this book that's coming out, Putting the Science in Fiction, edited by Dan Cobalt, coming out on October 16th of this year. And it's uh, just loads and loads of experts in various fields such as, you know, things not to get wrong if your characters have a plague or things not to get wrong if you're if you're thinking about a robot uprising or, you know, here's how a horse actually works. It's not the same as a car. They do need to stop and pee sometimes. So uh, (laughs) this book, I mean, I'm I'm so excited to read it. Yeah, I've seen the table of contents and and like Effie, I'm also a contributor for this. And we, what was it? There's a whole sections on dementia. We were talking to to Anne Lipton um, a couple months back and, you know, she's got articles there about the correctness and associating with dementia and Alzheimer's. We were talking with Karen Lenning last week. our last episode was with Karen Lenning, who has got her chapters are talking about the future of power generation and where we're going with that. And she's also got a, a chapter about the, the Cly, the Cly, what was it? She called it Cly-Fi, which is basically science fiction, but, but bringing in things like climate change and climate environmental, fiction. but not taking it into the level of dystopia. It's a bit, a 
bit different. And of course, your chapters, Effie, are what looking at the the cell phone and where the cell phone. Yeah, you need to be way. Yeah, out there your your science fiction there, cell phone isn't cool enough. Yeah, it needs to be way out there. You need to be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are so many, and we're going to be getting quite a few, a few others coming through that are also contributors to this book. It's an awesome book, guys. It really doesn't matter if you're a writer, honestly. Even if you're not a writer, I am really looking forward to this book because it's just taking every aspect of science where fiction tends to get it wrong. <laughs> And it's just going to be an awesome, absolutely awesome I got a awesome question book. for Effie. Yes, yes. shoot. Okay, Effie, if there is one thing you've seen portrayed in common TV, social media, books, whatever, that you're sitting there going, no, it's just either wrong or it's already here. Why are you saying it's not here yet? What would it be? Well, I, I think one of my pet peeves is how hacking is portrayed in media and I, I understand why it's portrayed that way and, and also I think a lot of research processes are portrayed as you know something that's very visually obvious and speedy so you know you'll see the the, the hacker and you know traditionally you'll have code sort of reflected on their face as though that's what screens actually do and you know they'll, they'll get this big UI that says uh hack successful i'm in um and and none of that is what happens and the vast majority of hacking nowadays happens through social hacking which is pretty much can you get into that person's office and find the sticky note that has their password stuck to their monitor or figure out what their actual you know their first dog's name was and now you can get into all their bank accounts based on that um hacking is portrayed in a wildly real unrealistic way and i think scientific research processes. Uh, both both my parents are uh, researchers, one physicist, one biologist, and that's that's not how science happens. You you try lots of things, you have hypotheses. You know, a giant breakthrough is not going to say what looks like a giant breakthrough um, you know, in a in a movie because it's going to be incremental because research is hard and takes a lot of time to get anywhere. Uh, but it's not very cinematic to show realistic research or realistic hacking i suppose so th those are my pet peeves but i don't i don't know how to fix them i don't know if there is a way to fix them because like you said you know when you're dealing with television and things like that they have to speed up the process um mm -hmm. but going through and taking some shortcuts no <laughs> i guess it's a question some of shortcuts. which shortcuts are you Dude. taking is the shortcut that you're showing this like wacky ui that says hack complete which is just not how anything works um, or is the shortcut just you saying like six months later or 60 years later or whatever <laughs> you can, uh, I think you can, you can choose how you portray that more efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always, yeah, there's always a, a fun thing and it's just, yeah. Okay. If he, it's been fantastic. If anybody has any questions of what, you know, that's sort of, the technologies we might be coming up with or if they basically just have any questions for you, your own writing or other bits and pieces, how do people get hold of you? Well, uh, usually the easiest way is Twitter. I'm just at F-E-S, so F-E my first name and S like my last name. Or alternately, you can think that I just have an entire army of, of F-E clones and we are multitudes. Uh, but that's my uh, my handle on Twitter, F-E-S, or you can... Spell that for us, please. Ah, so E as in elephant, F 
F as in feather, feather, I as in iceberg, E as in elephant, and S as in salamander. Uh, so just at that for uh, my Twitter handle, or you can go to my website, uh, which is effiecyberg.com. So same spelling of Effie, and cyberg is S like salamander, E like elephant, I like iceberg, B like bear, E like elephant, R like raccoon, and G like giraffe. So just effiecyberg.com. You can find ways to contact me through either of those, and I'm happy to answer questions anyone might have. Fantastic. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> okay, Jess, last chance for questions. Have you got any questions for Effie? Any last ones? No, I don't think so. I think I've actually, you know, other than the sunglasses, which, like she said, should be coming to a drugstore with to near me sooner rather than later and, and preferably with not the ability to take photos while you're in the toilet <laughs> please we do not need that that yeah no <laughs> i think we have put another one in the can <laughs> bye effie bye guys thanks so much for having me Bye. Bye, Doc. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Conversations in Science. If that wasn't enough of a science jolt for you, well, you can catch old episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and a whole range of other popular podcast locations. In the meantime, if you have a question about science and just want to know a little bit more, feel free to contact us at the station, and that's at science at klrnradio.com. Alternatively, you can contact me on Twitter, and that's at Judy L. Moore, or you can find me on Facebook, and that's Judy L. Moore, or you can drop me a line through my personal website, which is JudyLmore.com. I think you can see the pattern here. Meanwhile, my cohort over here... For anyone wanting to track me down, they can follow me on Twitter at Radio Host Jesse, or they can email me at the station at jesse at klrnradio.com. And they can always check out the books and authors I talk to at jessiescoffeeshop.com. Bye! Bye, guys!